0: All right, well, welcome to this week's episode of Fightin' Words, Donovan here. Um, really thankful for you tuning in and I pray that it's been helpful for you. As always, I am open to suggestions on topics and things that you would like us to cover. I have a special guest today, extra special. His name is Sean Willis. Hi Hi Sean. How are you doing, Donovan? I'm good. So, little introduction. Who are you? Well, I, why are you here?
1: Why am I here in my I'm, house? Well, I am here because I evidently made the mistake of commenting on one of your Facebook posts. Yeah, and so that, be warned out there, folks. Yeah, that that attracted attention. And the next thing I knew I was getting um, you were sliding into my DMs. That's
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So a little context though. I've, we we know each other a bit. We've, we do our, our lives have overlapped. And who are you? Well, I'm forty
1: five almost forty five years old. I grew up here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I have a wife uh, who is from Nova Scotia, Canada. We oh met wow! Met when I was at Emmaus Bible College, and she came there for one year, Bible certificate, and so we met. And um, I, you know, we went out on a one date. It was actually wasn't a date; it was just me and her and a friend of hers. And uh, by the end of that time, I looked at her, and I said, "You know what? I think I'm going to marry you." Okay. And uh, she... was that a prophecy? It, you... it was. It okay. was. And I batted a thousand. So That's as it. far as Deuteronomy is concerned, I'm legitimate. Ooh. Yes, no need to kill you. (laughs) No need to stone me, no. Uh, We have three great kids, um, Georgia, she's in seventh grade, Uh, McLean, he is in fifth grade, and Haddon, who is in the second grade, named, of course, after the great Charles Haddon Spurgeon.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Good. And you are, what do you do vocationally? I am. I'm pretending I don't know. Sure,
1: I get that. Uh, I am Director of Christian Education and Evangelism at Cedar Valley Bible Church here in Cedar Rapids, um, I have been doing that for, it's, I can't remember if it's six or if it's seven years now. Um, but I'd been Philly. I grew up in that church. So, uh went away for a number of years and then the Lord brought me back and then they kindly put me on staff.
0: Now when you say director, mm-hmm. you, are you a
1: pastor? For all intents and purposes, yes. We don't generally use the title pastor. Uh, we kind of reserve that more for all elders are pastors. In that regard, so we wouldn't, uh, you know, our teaching elder Joel. We, nobody refers to him as Pastor Joel. Sure, well, but he's a but. A but, pastor. but as far as the IRS is concerned, yes, sure. I'm a pastor. <laughs> and right. as far as you know, the University of Iowa parkade lady is concerned, I'm also a pastor. Why that? Because it's free
0: parking. Oh really? Oh yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, you got to know. I've been that. missing out on all the benefits. You have. Okay. You should, I don't even have a reason have, to go there. We should there. have
1: done this earlier. It could have saved you a few bucks.
0: I'm just going to drive down there and sit in my car and watch Netflix. <laughs> right on. Okay, so you're a local pastor, yeah. and um, you mentioned... Well, we have some other overlaps. You have some family at Redeemer mm-hmm. Church.
1: I do. My sister so, Brooke, brother-in-law yeah. Matt, and
0: uh, there are 462 kids. That's right. We won't even waste time no, naming no, them. No, I
1: can't even remember all their names.
0: Yep. So over the years, I've, we've run into each other a bit. Uh You know, at, down at the prison, when we've gone mm-hmm. down there and done some ministry at times, and then some online stuff, you know, and some family events, run into you here and there. And right, I'm I'm a bit of a troublemaker online. I think I've gotten a little better, Um, but I I tend to just be a little, uh, yeah. I like to fight. You're an instigator. I'm an instigator. Yeah. And yeah. I some of that is not good. Some of it is is compelled by like a quest for truth, and I see so much error out there that I just want to like. So whether it's helpful or not, well, I guess the Lord knows. Mm-hmm. Some of it I think is. Some of it I'm sure isn't. Um, and At least you're
1: not pulpit and pen.
0: Ooh, now we're naming names. <laughs> Why would you say that? At least I'm not them. <laughs>
1: oh, I'm, I don't, I'm not no, gonna, come on, I'm going to dive into it too <laughs> much. You know, it's the attitude. Yeah. It's entirely the attitude there. You can be right on all of the particulars and dead wrong in heart. Yeah. And I certainly
0: don't want I. I and want, I'm not saying that's you. That's not you. No. Yeah, I think you literally said it wasn't. So yeah, no. not pulpit and pen. No, I don't want. I don't want that. I I I certainly have beliefs, and we're going to proclaim them and teach them, um, you know, with conviction and all that. But yeah, I don't want my life or my ministry to be characterized by here's all the things that they're against. Right. You know. Now sometimes you got to you got to do that here and there. And so. Um, over the years, uh, through comments on Facebook and stuff like that, it's become clear to me that you and I certainly have some theological differences, sure. um, even though we are you know, both believers, and that's obviously the case. We have a, the big scope of what makes someone a Christian, and belief in Jesus Christ as the Son of God is substitutionary atonement for our sins. That's There you go. Um, salvation by grace through faith alone. And we could add a lot more. We affirm the, the, the inerrancy of Scripture and the... Yes the great commission and the local church and all this stuff. Um, and then you get into other issues that uh, any, every church, the way I look at it is you, you, we have a, a responsibility, a church or a pastoral team to, to teach the whole counsel of God. And so things come up, things like what we call our, our, doctrines. So, um, our doctrinal distinctives where, Hey, what are our doctrinal unifiers with say Cedar Valley or new covenant? Well, it's what we believe about the Canon, about the cross, about the creator, um, and about the church. Now you start getting into distinctives. And that's for us would be things like Calvinism, complementarianism, which is probably something else we'd line up with, mm-hmm. um, right. Christocentricity. And, and, and so those distinctives um, come out of you know your study, your history, your context. And so every church has them is what I say. They may not, may or may not be explicit about them. You may or may not find them on their website, but they have them. If, if I'm there long enough, I could identify them, right? The trained right. the trained ear could. Yep. So Calvinism being one of our distinctives at Redeemer Church, and for me personally, it's been um, uh, one I think theologically really important, and we can get into into that and what, how theologically important it is, but also just existentially satisfying. So I'm like, ooh, look if I if it's led me to worship and joy and a robust faith I want to share that and someone else may not receive it that way and that makes sense but some people do so it's been both I think for me theologically critical and existentially critical so we just I've just unashamedly from the beginning said this is what we're doing this is what we're teaching and we'll do series on it I'll talk about it I'll link to you know like you get it it's, it's sure. out there mm-hmm. people know people gossip exactly. and talk. no question about it they know what they're getting right so, obviously, through conversations and quotes and things like, or or comments on Facebook, I've, I've discerned that, that you would not say you are a Calvinist in the sense that I do. Correct. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, one, one. so I thought, well, let's talk, because mm-hmm. I can get Joe Brinkman in here, and we can just high-five about why we're right all day long, and we do that a lot, but that's enough already. So I thought, well, let's get someone else in here and kind of push the envelope a little bit and i thought uh, i I said i didn't come in with really a lot of notes and i'm just gonna go but i noticed you brought your 95 theses
1: well you know i can't prepare i I did jot down a few notes
0: yeah yeah because i didn't know what we were
1: going to talk about you say calvinism and it's like okay that's a really big topic uh where are we going with that and uh so yeah i and, and you know because it's not something that let me let me back it up and say it this way infused into my philosophy of doctrine are many calvinistic concepts uh, they they inform many different things about my view of god as i understand him in from the scriptures and his purpose and his plan and the way he's unfolding it But I don't put it out there as the big thing that I'm focusing on, in the sense of here is this system called Calvinism or Reformed theology, Reformed soteriology, or whatever you want to call it. Um, So it's more, it's it's entwined in there, but it's not as explicit as it probably is. So are you saying
0: that, or is it just a matter of emphasis? You would, are you saying? Like if I just list it out, maybe you know, we need to do a few of those. I list it out, you know, here's top 10 Calvinistic beliefs. You would mm-hmm. say, oh yeah, I affirm that. I just don't use that. So for let's just go. Like for example, do you believe that God elects who will be saved apart from their faith? Regeneration before faith. I do. Well, that's pretty Calvinistic. I know. Okay. Well, podcast over. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> yeah. Joe Brinkman. Yeah. Part two. Yeah. Are you actually, Joe, in a Sean suit.
1: Yeah. No, I absolutely, and I don't know, does he have a beard? Does he have a luxurious mane of a beard?
0: Not as luxurious no, as yours. No, few you do. Um, okay.
1: I would say, I absolutely affirm that God has in his divine decree.
0: Now, here we go, folks. Here we go. Say we need time.
1: Elected. Chosen. Yes. Whatever term you want to use, individuals out of the mass of all of humanity to be the beneficiaries of Christ's atoning death. Okay. While leaving the rest. All right. In their sin. Yes. That's that's what I would affirm with regard to election. And, and it's not a force. It's
0: not because he foresaw their faith. No. This no. is literally. This because is his he sovereign
1: decided. choice. Okay. Not based upon the fact that they looked down the hallways of time and saw that Donovan, given the opportunity, and you know the clouds were all just right okay and he was gonna oh I, I get it now I believe the gospel and then God responded to that by choosing you no okay you believe because right God chose you and then affected okay well so that far so salvation. good but
0: not really I want to fight man so I, okay. gotta, fi- well, I gotta keep, keep going. going down the tulip list. well what about um <laughs> um do you believe that God? ordains evil so like if i have cancer mm-hmm. it's because god decided i would have cancer yeah
1: i i would take that again in the form of the decrees and i would be one who would subscribe to you have uh god's decrees in the sense of permissive decree and yes. this is overt decree so for example creation is his overt decree let there be okay and that is what's going to happen And then you have his permissive decree where he permits things under that umbrella of his sovereignty to occur. And so for your example of cancer, I would say that that falls under God's permissive decree in the sense that cancer is a a consequence of the fall, which God permitted and decreed. Okay, to, so that might occur. be somewhere
0: okay, so maybe we're getting some so yeah. it is if you have it, it's a consequence that God allowed. It isn't yeah. because Well, I'm I'm putting words in your mouth, yep. tell me if you I would affirm them. Saying. God determined I know what Sean needs because I have a vision for his conformity mm-hmm. to Christ and what he needs is cancer and therefore cancer will come upon him. I don't have a problem with that. Okay. I don't I don't have a problem with that whatsoever. Um
1: Going to the wisdom of God and, and his, and as you well said it, introducing the idea of his plan and his purpose for my life. uh, I don't have a problem with God ordaining something like cancer because cancer is,
0: while it's a symptom of the fall, it's not sinful. Oh, okay. Okay. So let me, we should probably use some Bible. (laughs) We should. Oh, I can't find my Bible. I haven't touched it in eight days. (laughs) No, oh, it's here in my backpack. Um, so, this is... I. We can go to lots of places, mm-hmm. and we should. For example, I've taught um, Psalm 51. i pull up a few examples, but let's go here. Psalm 51, written by David. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, no, introduction. A psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. So, David had sinned by... Committing adultery and then having her husband murdered, basically. Sent to the front of the lines to die. She committed rape. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, all kind of, even worse, right? Yeah. So now, Nathan comes and confronts him. And he. this is a psalm of repentance. Have mercy mm-hmm. on me, O oh God. So you're familiar with this? Oh, yeah. Verse 4. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that... Now there's purpose, that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. I've taught this, and to this day still would, that there's a purpose unto so that, okay? There's Mm -hmm. a, okay, why? And that purpose was that the justification of God, that God would be seen as right and true and blameless in his judgment, his holiness, to highlight God has declared all men sinful and himself holy. And this sin served that purpose. And then I think, okay, who's interested in that purpose? Justifying God, showing God as blameless. Was that David? Was that David saying, hey, I'm going to sin so that God would be seen as holy? No. Was it Satan? I'm going to tempt David to sin so that God would be justified and blameless? No. I would say this, God. Mm -hmm. So God... The purpose in David's sin, ultimately, at some level, it had, it had the micro-purpose of David just David just whatever, wanting Bathsheba and trying to save his skin. But at the ultimate level, it had a greater purpose. I would liken it to uh, Joseph being thrown in the pit, mm-hmm. right? The brothers meant it for evil. David meant it for evil. God meant it for good. It wasn't a response. It wasn't God allowed it for good. Or it wasn't God saying, oh, I'll find a way to bring good out of this thing that David did that I didn't foresee but that it was ordained and yet it was sinful. Mm-hmm. All right. So tell me I'm butchering the verse or whatever. Just what do you think of that?
1: Well, I, I, I follow what you're saying and I think there's manifold examples in the old and new Testament of the purposes of God being accomplished through sinful acts. The greatest of which is the crucifixion of the Messiah. Exactly. Yes. Uh, Peter talks about this in Acts. Uh, what is that? Acts two. Yep. Um, by the predetermined plan of god he was cruc- he was hung on the cross by godless men right you know by his predetermined plan i mean the the murder of the son of god was planned was planned in fact it was the reason the world exists yeah yeah it, it, i mean that, that 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 was not god's reactionary plan b when adam fell okay you know that has always been the plan if we believe in a god who is uh, you know eternal and he must be, as Anselm would say, if you can conceive of anything greater than God, then you don't have God. You know, uh, so he, it, this has been in, in before the foundations of the world. You know, we were chosen for salvation. Well, that implies that before the foundations of the world, God had chosen to send Jesus. And the means by which he had chosen for Jesus to provide for that salvation was through the sinful murder at the hands of godless men. All to and Part bring us redemption, but for a greater reason to bring glory to his name, yes, to glorify himself. Um, so when I read something like this as you're understanding it, I see that that works there, but I also think you could read so that not as purpose but as result,
0: sure, you know, in this text, but yeah. it's kind of irrelevant. You're saying you see this concept, yeah, other places. yeah you see
1: this concept, absolutely. Um, so yeah, a God ordains. And this is this is a little mysterious. I don't think it's wrong to say that God, while remaining entirely holy, um, in which case you know negatively, absence of any impurity and evil; positively, He is blameless and pure, and separate from all others. At the same time, within His own counsel, He can ordain something like that happening, which is
0: a stronger term than just allow. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. No, I
1: don't think I don't think Peter and Acts allows us anything other than to say that it's ordained. Right. You okay. know. Yeah. Otherwise, you're you're giving. Uh, otherwise, I think you're submitting God's plan and program to man. Right. You know, if you say that Jesus went to the cross simply because God, you know, godless men hated him and therefore God permitted that to take place.
0: That doesn't seem to be what Peter is saying. OK. All right. Um so what are you so you do have some you don't you i asked you before the podcast are Mm -hmm. you a calvinist Mm -hmm. and you said uh not like you're a calvinist okay why
1: because you know i would hold to a universal
0: atonement so it's really just comes down to the limited atonement that's the
1: only thing Okay. that's the only thing I fully affirm Augustinian view of total depravity that we that man every single person comes into this world and it's in fact it's the next verse here in Psalm 51 verse 5 in sin my mother conceived me um, that every single person comes into this world depraved that sin has is uh, both passed on by virtue of our biological parentage and but also it's curse is passed on by the fact that Adam is our federal head. And so what he did had ramifications for everybody else, just as what Jesus does has ramifications for all those who believe in him. This is Paul's point in Romans chapter five in that very convoluted, sorry, Paul, difficult thing about the, the two men and the two acts and the two results. You know, one man's sin brought death. One man obeyed brought life and you get that going down through there. And so you have, you know, Adam's sin brought death. How do we know that? Because everybody dies. The cemeteries in all over this world are demonstration of the reality, the theological and existential reality of depravity and sin and its effects upon us. So everything has, every part of us has been affected by that. So I would understand total depravity the way that most Reformed guys would be, not that we're as bad as we can be, but that every aspect of us has been touched by it and is um, negatively influenced for it. So that I no longer think, um, after God I no longer feel my emotions don't operate the way that they were created and attended to it. and my will and this is a pretty thorny one here as well in this discussion but my will doesn't function as it should either and so I would hold the position that um, apart from God's act and work I do not have the freedom To believe the gospel, or to please God, apart from God acting upon me first and enabling me to, I do not possess that freedom, and no one else does. Let me ask you this then: Yeah,
0: at that point, then is a is that a decisive act on God's part, or is it like a prevenient grace type thing?
1: No, it's a decisive act.
0: Okay, yeah, that's yeah. I brought the wrong uh, guy on the podcast, dude. You're pretty much a that's an effectual. Is your would your church affirm all the things you're saying right now? By your church, I mean the elders.
1: All but limited atonement. Or definite atonement, we would they would not hold to that. Most of them would not hold to that. So
0: you're you're unified on that, yeah. Your church is, yeah. yeah. So your church is pretty Calvinistic, sure. Hmm. Interesting. Just okay. not
1: high Calvinistic. Just not five point Calvinistic. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So we would we we talked about election, unconditional election, to use the tulip thing. Um, irresistible grace. I would hold that God's grace is irresistible in the sense that His call is as effectual. It always. Results in what he's calling an individual to. And then perseverance of the saints, I would just call it eternal security. Sure. That every believer will persevere until the end. Doesn't mean that they're sinless. Doesn't mean that they um, reach some level of perfectionism or something along the line. Doesn't even mean that they might not fall away for a season. But at the end of the day, the Lord knows who are in his hand and he loses not a single one. And so that's how I would understand that. But when it comes to the question of for whom did Christ die, mm. there I diverge.
0: Tell from, me more about that.
1: Well, be, because you have texts in the Bible that are certainly definite oriented. You know, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save who his people yep. from their sins. Um, you know, you've got a multitude of texts. I made a list of. A, quite a few of them here. Matthew one twenty one, I just quoted it. John ten eleven, uh, John fifteen thirteen, Acts 20.28. 20, well, let's actually read those. Sure, we can do that. I just did Matthew one twenty one. You should call us. Um, John. his people. So John ten. Uh, verse
0: eleven. Um, let's just read two or three of these. So we get okay. a, people get an idea. I'll get what...
1: these. I'll get these uh, John ones because there's a couple of them here, and then I'll get, grab a couple more. How's that? Sure. All right, so John ten eleven, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Right, not you the know? wolves. Not the wolves, exactly, exactly right. Uh, you drop down to verse 15, uh, even as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Mm-hmm. Again, it it's, seems to be particular and definite who he's laying his life down yeah. for. Um, mm. Verse 26, but you, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. So there we have this distinction between those who are the sheep who hear his voice and those who are outside of that fold. In the next verse, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Mm. So those seem to be very particular in that sense. He lays his life down for these sheep of which there are others who do not belong into that fold. Um, uh, let's see, John 15:13 is another one. Um, Jesus says this, he says, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You know, doesn't say enemies there. And I know in Romans 5, it will say that he, you know, while we were enemies. While we were enemies. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But that's a universal text. (laughs) You know, that supports more of a universal position. But this one here in John, he's laying his life down for his friends. Um, uh, Let's see here. Uh, Romans 8. Let's let's we'll finish with Romans sure. 8, uh, because this is probably a central one for a particular atonement view. Romans eight twenty eight through 33. Uh, we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So you have this calling here, which is the which begins this divine chain, as people have referred to it, of this process of going from um, a sinner lost in their sin to glorified. But it's for those who he calls. Now, who is that specifically? Well, it, we can answer it, but right now all we can say is that there, you know, at least potentially there are some that are not called. You know, and we know there are some that are not called because not every. This is not true for every single person. There are those who, who resist. Who and is that reject. call? Would
0: you would you say that that call is irresistible grace working? Yes. Okay. Yes,
1: I would say you know when we talk about the when, when theologians talk about the calling of God, you have a general call that goes out to all the world. Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's just generally offered out there to all people. Okay. But then you have an effectual special call, mm-hmm. which result, which is what I think Paul is referring to
0: here. And First Corinthians uh, eighteen one eighteen. 18, yes. To the those who are to called. those who are called. Exactly, it's the wisdom and power of God. Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: yeah. So you have the, you have this general calling, you know, but then within that there are those who are effectually drawn. Okay, right? those whom you know the the, the the Father causes them to be drawn to the Son. Right, and in faith and in belief, uh, and so
0: you have. So it sounds t- like you just described limited atonement.
1: I hope so I hope I've accurately and fairly so let me just tell you it. how
0: I describe limited atonement
1: yeah
0: it, so when you say who did Christ die for it depends on what you mean right it all comes down like well did he die for people in hell like it it did you know like that's mm-hmm. kind of the rub like it would probably a lot of it just comes down to nuance and how you're de- de- defining words. Like, to, I would say limited atonement to me teaches that. Yes, the well, it's all the verses you were just mm-hmm. listing. My guess is the other verses you're going to go to are about general calling. The, the other ones that I'm going to go to are about universal,
1: okay. which seem to teach rather than he just. Um, died like he for died for a for the certain sins of the group world. of people, but he rather he died for all people. Okay, so John three sixteen and seventeen, for example, uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and then you have it limited down to whosoever will believe, and the rest are condemned. You know, but there it seems to suggest that you know his love is for the world, and so he sent his Son for the world. And I understand that a, how a definite atonement person would come back to me and want to mess with that word
0: "world" there. So, but Here's just taking it on its face, so I'm going to put an Armenian hat on and say, I, um, I think <clears throat> what what you are what, what you're saying as a let's say four point Calvinist, depending on how you nuance it, it's very palatable to palatable to me. I'm like sure. At the end of the day, you're just saying still, you still have to get to the point where where God did not do something for some that he mm-hmm. did for others you're just moving it from the l to the i right and armenian has a problem with that sure like, because you're you're still god not being fair not not still you still have him violating people's free, free will. will absolutely absolutely so great well, like yeah. yeah if that's how you're articulating four-point communism like yeah I, great yeah, not that you would expect me to have a huge problem, but I, 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 it's almost exactly what I would say, and 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 again, the issue to me is that that's not you still are or coming. You still have to have a system. You excuse me within your system. You still have a God playing favorites. Hey, it I put this offer way. for the whole world. Sure. Okay, thanks, but. I'm going to elect a certain few of these mm-hmm. who I'm going to call effectually. I'm going to uh, regenerate them that they may manifest faith. It's like... And I'm going to draw them to myself in an irresistible fashion. Yeah, yeah. that's... <laughs> well, yeah, some of that is... Yeah, great. Maybe I'm a four-point Calvinist. I'm going to put it that way. Like four-point... Actually, I'm like an eight-point Calvinist. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking for more points now. Um, you need a bigger flower. That's right. Like a carnation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instead of the Armenian
1: daisy, he loves me, he loves me not. He oh, loves that's me. terrible.
0: <laughs> Hi. We have an audience. We do, yeah.
1: Look, I, I, I would Millard Erickson uh, says it this way. He says, you know, Christ's death is sufficient for all. It is efficient only for the elect. So he draws a That's limited atonement. I know he's a limited atonement guy. Oh, okay. So, so it's sufficient. So, and that's one of the things I hope that people. It's a question is whether this. it's a genuine offer. It's a question of
0: effectiveness.
1: Well, well the limited, limited atonement is it question
0: for. is about who's it effective for. But I think if you're saying,
1: people you know, that Piper, reject- will, Piper will say that you know it's not only effective, but it actually accomplishes that salvation. Uh, and and so you know, Christ's death on the cross actually accomplished the salvation right um, he purchased the New
0: covenant promise yeah
1: exactly and it and it's applied yeah but you know faith still has a role to play in that I've never really understood that with Piper but faith still has that role to, to
0: play well faith is purchased
1: what, what I would say is that Christ's death on the cross purchased the uh, potential for salvation but it is not affected until until
0: faith which comes affected by... By God. Yeah. yeah. I, I Ephesians 2, 8, 9. That. I think he would affirm that. He's just saying the, the faith was also purchased. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty pretty Calvinistic to me. Um, so, yeah, I don't know that there's a lot... Man, I wanted to fight. We had to find something else to fight about. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Let's. What else do we disagree about? Um, well, well, we'll come back to that. I'm sure we can find some stuff. But... Yeah, again, some of that comes down to nuance and how you maybe express some of that stuff, and I don't...
1: And it comes down a lot to the, you know, we talked a little bit about the order of the decrees, you know. It comes down to the, you know, what do you think that God decreed first? You know, a five-point Calvinist, a high five-point Calvinist would say that his... The first decree is his decree to elect some to salvation and others to uh, be... I'm going to take it
0: up a notch. Okay. His first decree... agree with this is to reveal the lamb that was slain okay to reveal God Mm -hmm. which is a sacrificial lover Mm -hmm. that's the vision of uh, Christ that God has had in the Trinity for all eternity Mm -hmm. and he says this must be seen Mm -hmm. this must be shared and therefore, I'm going to make a universe, and everything else in this comes from there. Therefore, some sinners will exist. Mm-hmm. Some will be saved. Some will not. I will display my full glory. So, well, that's
1: Paul's argument in Romans
0: nine. You know, when he says that there are some vessels created
1: for honor and some for dishonor, and the purpose of it is so that the uh, you know God's election may stand, that His glory might be revealed. Uh, you know, and, and so. Um, certainly the ultimate goal of the triune God is the glory of the triune yeah. God and it being manifested and and um, celebrated and worshipped uh, and so forth like that and that we be the recipients then of that love that divine love and fellowship um, for which we were
0: created yeah that's good I'm glad you brought up Romans because I can... Um, we, again, regardless of whether or not people are, are excited about the terms, let me share a little bit about why I unashamedly use the term Calvinism. Okay. We have top 10 our doctrines at church, and they all start with C, and I've just got to oh, do it.
1: That's very sweet. Yeah.
0: If I don't do that, then the whole thing falls apart. Mm-hmm. No, that's not why. Here's why. Someone could maybe have other examples. As I survey the landscape... The people that have preserved and promoted these truths, systems, churches, institutions, pastors, all have used the word. I think it's a slippery slope to go, well, let's just not use the word. I can't name, and again, maybe your experience has been different, but as I look down the annals of history and even contemporary church, and I go, okay, who are the champions of this vision of God? Charles Spurgeon contemporary John Piper uh, Westminster College R.C. Sproul Francis Schaeffer I go they don't shy away from the term I can't name the the culture affecting teachers and movements that don't use it Mm -hmm. so to me there's like there seems to be some sticking power to like and maybe maybe a slippery slope dangerous thing to like start going the other way and then People don't even know what, with what they what they believe. I don't know. There's like a you know. Why do we use labels? Mm-hmm. You know. Why do I? Why do we use any? Because it, it has a cohesive element, mm-hmm. right? There's mm-hmm. the label. Now you can attach all kinds of things to it. So I don't know. That's my defense of why I do it. Would do you think your? Would you say your experience has been different that you could identify movements, teachers, oh, yeah. animals, churches, institutions? Absolutely, or, for
1: for better or for worse. I mean, you can go the other way and say Arminian. And say, okay, I, I, as soon as they say Arminian, okay, I know what you guys believe. I know what the Methodists, where they're going to come from theologically, with re- relationship to these topics and issues that we've been discussing. Um, you know, we love, as, as, as maybe it's as human beings, but certainly as Christians, we love labels. Uh, we love to be able to put together systems that we can hang Why everything that? in because we're, we like logically ordered things most of the time. Yeah, you know, and, and we want It's the logos,
0: in, I think, within us. Like.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, and, and we're we're created by a logical, rational um, God. Um, you know, where we sometimes get into trouble, I think, is when we push our systems beyond what the Bible says. Sure. Um, and so then we can we can find ourselves lost in the weeds pretty quickly.
0: Um, but that's not dependent on whether or not you label your system.
1: Like, no, not no. labeling. I don't have a problem irrelevant. with somebody calling themselves a Calvinist because I know historically what that means, uh, and, and, and so forth.
0: Now it comes with risk because I know sure. what happens is people associate something maybe not true, or some dad they had. Their dad was a Calvinist, yeah. and he's a so yeah. therefore. To use a like,
1: different word, look, take a word like complementarianism. I mean, that's a loaded term in our current uh, social milieu, you know, and, and for a lot of people, what that means is, you know, a, a wife put her down her, hold her back, um, dad, or the husband is is the uh, patriarchal, in the in the patriarchal position and so forth like Ooh, that. now see, what's but wrong it's, with but that? But that's not... I like what you're describing. <laughs> <laughs> but in a patriarchal, in a non-healthy patriarchal kind of way is what I'm talking about here. Um But that's not what true complementarianism is. And so you deal with uh, when you have labels and things like that and you attach yourself to a title or a label, you're opening yourself up to stereotypes, uh, which may or may not be accurate uh, and things like that. And I just find I find myself having to explain away why I'm not what you think I am. Yeah. um, in, In a lot of ways. An example of this is, you know, I'm a dispensationalist. And my view of of God's overarching program for the ages culminating in the end times. And by the way, dispensationalism is more than just the rapture and left behind. It's much more. (laughs) But as soon as I say that, that immediately for those who maybe have some idea of what they think dispensationalism, maybe they grew up in some form of it and then got away from it. Or maybe they, you know, read a book uh, or something about it, you know, some popular level book on or something like that. Well, now I've got to deconstruct a lot of false views about, about that. Um, and it's not just that view. Covenant theology has the same problem as well. And you know, anytime that we have a label, we invite the idea, number one, of going too far with the system and letting the label and the system become the source of authority. Or we end up with somebody dealing with people who uh, are totally misunderstanding what we actually believe uh, and so forth, like that. And so I, I just prefer that's why I opened up uh, at the beginning of this podcast by saying I don't use the term Calvinism. Right. Um, or even Reformed soteriology. Um, I would prefer that my students in the school or People in my classes or people that I'm um, teaching, I would prefer for them to see these concepts in the word itself and not attach to a system. You know, does Does that make sense? Do you feel like
0: those are mutually exclusive options?
1: Not necessarily. Not necessarily. But I think that oftentimes they become mutually exclusive. I think that uh, and I see this a lot of times with younger guys. Who are getting into theology for the first time and they're on fire for it, you know. And they're, I mean, they're they're reading the Institutes and they're uh, reading, you know, Burkhard's 500 volumes or something like that, you know. And they're just feeding this stuff into themselves and they're reading all the blogs and everything like that. And uh, suddenly, the pursuit of the system overla- overshadows the pursuit of knowing God. Yeah. And I like to go to Calvin, you know, I like how he introduces the Institute and he ties those things together of knowing self by knowing God, you know, and, and, and I think that we just have to be careful yeah, about that kind of a thing. Um, Good. Well, I respect that. Um, you can call yourself a Calvinist all you want, though. You're not going to offend me. Yeah. You know, hang all the labels you want on yourself, Donovan. It's fine with me. Yeah, that's great. It's a beautiful
0: thing. Yeah, I found it helpful. Um, probably hurtful, but whatever. <laughs> but 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 so there's one issue of like of how explicit you are with the labels and whether or not they're helpful. Like, but the other issue is like how important the theology is. So, f- for me, you brought up Romans nine, and this is this is one of the places that I think really crystallizes why this is really important. Um, I would go so far. I would not say well. It depends on what you mean. If someone says is Calvinism the gospel? Mm. I would in one sense mm-hmm. I'd say no because I don't walk down the street saying believe in the John Calvin and you shall be saved. Right, no. Yeah. I preach the I preach Jesus, right? Like yeah. Jesus died for your sins. There's the gospel, right? Like um but I believe yeah. it is the true articulation of the nuances barely even I wouldn't even say nuances of the oh it's the pillars. The pillars of the yeah, gospel. Yeah. And so for example here in romans 9 so such that if i don't teach clearly and explicitly on this i'm going to have a lot of people who maybe could be saved maybe not i don't know for five ten years and still don't know what happened to them Mm -hmm. oh yeah you know they're denying essential things about the nature of god and his power and the nature of man and yet saying they believe, it's almost like we have a different God all all of a sudden, you know? Like, it can get really extreme. So, let me get to the text. Um, All right, so Paul's talking about uh, God sovereignly working through Abraham um, and Rebecca. I'm trying to pick up, decide where to pick up. Let's go to verse 10, Romans Mm -hmm. 9-10. Not only so, so he gives the example about um, Isaac and Ishmael and that you know, one is a son of the promise and one is not. And then he gives another example. But also when Rebecca had conceived children by one man, our forefather, Isaac, though they were not yet born and had not done anything either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger as it is written, Jacob, I loved Esau, I hated. So Rebecca's pregnant. She has two boys inside of her and God does something what does he do he she was told the older were served the younger or to put it another way jacob i love esau i hate i hated he elected one and he determined to do it before either of them were born why so that you couldn't say well it was because jacob did that or esau did that now the, the part i want to zero in on is he says that in order that god's purpose of election might continue not because of works. So he contrasts election with works. Mm-hmm. Like I think we're used to hearing works contrasted with grace or faith. Like right. hey, it's you're not saved by works. Oh, that's incredible. What are we saved by? By grace. By faith. Okay, good. Well, what is grace? What does that mean? Like it sounds in one sense it's unmerited favor. That's nice when you're a sinner and you don't want to feel terrible anymore. God's going to come and he's going to be gracious to you. But it also implies all kinds of other things like, okay, if it's not because of works, how will he determine to whom he will dispense this grace? And he says it's through election. So what this is doing here, I believe, is bringing election. It's presenting election in the gospel as Siamese twins, maybe a, a conjoined twins. That was a real non-PC way to put it. They're conjoined twins. He's saying election, if it wasn't because of election, you could say it's because of works. His purpose of election would continue, not because of works. So God was like God is saying, I'm going to demonstrate that salvation is not by works. How? Through election. Okay, do you do you see that? I see what you're uh, saying. How that works there? Yeah,
1: I, I see exactly what you're saying. I get a little squeamish when we talk about election in the gospel as being a co-equals or even anything like it. Because, um, but just deal and, with I, that. Well, and dealing with this, here's here's how I read it. I read it as here are two statements that Paul makes about why the one was chosen over the other. Okay. Number one. It was so that God's purpose according to his choice would continue or would stand. So he chose, so he tells Rebecca, hey, this is the one who's going to be first because I chose him to be first. And if we go the normal route, which is the older should be the one that gets the blessing. Well, then my eternal choice of him would not continue. Does that make sense? Yes. Then he makes a second statement. Uh, to clarify it's not because of works that I made this choice it's not because I looked down the hallways of time and saw that Jacob would be a wonderfully righteous man which he was not but solely on the basis of God's effectual calling So, and, and I would understand that there to be the whole Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 process of for by faith you are saved through grace and not of yourselves that calling that is effectual and Actually accomplishes its purpose, so I think the distinction that I make from your reading of that passage is you're tying the choice and
0: the works together. Like he's contract. You're just saying they're two things. I'm saying they're two different. I'm going to drive they're the comp- van. Compliment- and I'm going to mow the lawn. They're
1: complementary, but right. they're
0: not linked. I don't think they're linked the way that you're. Okay. you're reading it. Fair enough. Let there me- we go. We almost got a fight. Well, let me ask you this. <laughs> so here's another. So le- another reason, kind of why I. Uh, view this as so important and why I link it so closely to the gospel. So, you walk down the street and you tell someone, Jesus died for your sins. Right? And let's just take that in the most general call sense, right? Like, you can't do that if you believe in definite atonement. Right. So, <laughs> there there, he, it's a his historical fact, God incarnated, he came. I see God's sovereignty so integrally working with this that I almost want to go, so what? So Jesus is out there crucified. Like, so what? It does nothing for me in my condition. There better be more good news. It might not be what you lead with when you preach mm-hmm. the gospel. But Jesus crucified out there does nothing for me this is now we we can fight it's it's ineffectual who cares you better have better news than that than that the son of god died because i don't give a rip about it in my condition i don't see the goodness of it it's irrelevant i'm moving on with my life there better be something else that god is doing and has done that is good news and that to me is then okay he has Determined that this will be applied to people, that it won't just be out there. It's without the work of God electing, effectively calling, regenerating, without that, I mean, this almost sounds crazy, right? It's like, who cares? It's just this thing. The real work is God opening my eyes to see delight in that beauty. It was now, now they become integrated because that work was purchased by that right the, the work here mm-hmm. internally was purchased by that external work right so but they're they're so wedded mm-hmm. wedded so much so that if the the other isn't happening or isn't true it literally renders the other powerless jesus christ objectively crucified out there does nothing to me until the spirit of god invades me conquers my rebellion transforms my will reveals the beauty right and the cross goes from being foolish Mm -hmm. and weak to because I'm called effectually called is now powerful so again you might affirm maybe a lot of what I've said but still say yeah I still wouldn't link them that much I'm just give you a little insight into like how I think and why they're so Mm -hmm. like conjoined like right there again while not saying Calvinism is the gospel I don't right I wouldn't preach that but I would fill it out pretty quickly with tons of stuff about what God did and who he is and 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 defend it like um I couldn't be at a church that didn't teach that like if I explicitly like mm-hmm. this is again comes back to personal maybe I have a personal calling or maybe I'm an idiot <laughs> that's cuz you're an idiot right like I would great like mm-hmm. oh they would the way I would want to teach Unless the church was... So let me ask it that way. Would So Cedar Valley is generally Calvinistic. Sure. Would they let me preach regularly from the pulpit the way I'm talking? Would they be like, yeah, this is good and helpful?
1: <laughs> well, I I, yeah, I I think that, you know, you're, they probably would have similar reservations that I would have, which is, I think it's a little... You need to chill out, bro. Too yeah, We're throwing <laughs> things at each other here now, people. My Bibles are flying. Um, you know, I, I think that, again... What I like to see and what I like to do in my own preaching and what I like to see in other preachers is the ability of that preacher to, and I think you're, you're talking this way, you're just extremely passionate about it, which is fine, but to integrate all of these things together as the gospel, I want to hold up first and foremost that the gospel is, as Paul described it in Ephesians, or 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 3, you know, that Christ died. That he was raised again.
0: Ooh, can I, let's push there a little bit.
1: Yeah, and, and that. Well, it, go ahead, and I and, want to come and, back to that. Okay, and, and so forth. That's that's the gospel in capsule form. Okay, and you know when the Philippian jailer comes to Paul and says, "What must I do to be saved?" Paul doesn't say, "Become a Calvinist." He doesn't say, "You need to understand." Well, it's what he implies. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. He was channeling John Calvin at the time in Biza, uh, but he says, "Believe." There's a calling an invitation there yeah to believe now that as we as we read that verse in the context of all of the revelation concerning salvation and we read and we start to learn okay it's not just that you know Donovan shared the gospel with me and I believed it and now I'm saved but there's so much going on behind the scenes that I'm not even I was not even aware of yeah. You know, that this moment in time where I trusted in Jesus Christ, once finally trusted and truly trusted in him, true saving faith, is the culmination of a process, if you will, that began in eternity past. Yeah. And that has been, you know, Peter talks about the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, Uh, you know, that, that we were saved. And here he is. Set us, setting us apart, even when we we're in an unsaved state, for that salvation. You know, going from the from the Greek meaning of the word for sanctified, to set apart. You know, we've been set apart by our election. That doesn't affect it. Being elect doesn't save me. Right. I can be an elect, a person. Right. Yeah, it has to be that. It has to be applied. I have to believe. Right. I have to exercise faith. But even that aspect of exercising, all this comes together in this one moment of time. And now suddenly as, I go on, as I'm go, as i journeying along as a Christian, hopefully in a sound Bible teaching church under the shepherding of godly mature leaders who are encouraging me in the word and um, you know, correcting me when I'm wrong on an interpretation or a theological position or something like that, I begin to put these pieces together just as generations of Christians before me have as well. And I begin to see that, man... God has been for loving me since before time. Yeah. You know? He his He had His sight set upon me since before He created the world. When it was just the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. United together. And 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 that I think accomplishes what you're wanting to accomplish. And you can see I get kind of passionate about it too. You know, because so so critical. For the sanctifying work of believers that we understand these themes and these these realities of what God has done. That all of this is of God. Yeah. You know, there's no it's monergistic. It's all God. Yeah. God has done it all. I, I bring nothing to this. Not even my not even the faith to believe. I didn't even bring that. Yeah. You know, that had to be given to me. That had to be part of the gift. You know, but you, you you grow into that knowledge. I had a professor in Bible college who used to say, "You're saved when you get saved. You're an Arminian. You grow up and become a Calvinist." And there's a lot of it's it's kind of snarky. I get it,
0: but it it's true for for a lot a of a lot people. of us, right? Well, because all you have is your because experience. because
1: as you grow in your knowledge and your walk with the Lord, and as you worship and as you pray with other believers and think and talk about these things, like we are here. We decrease, he increases, and we begin to see that more and more. And so it has this sanctifying work upon our souls uh, so that we begin to see reality as God sees it and not as it has been misshapen by our depravity.
0: Yeah, that's good. Well, I thought we were going to (laughs) fight.
1: Have you back sometime. We'll talk about dispensationalism and covenant theology.
0: or, Or continuationism. Yeah. Stuff like that. Oh, let's, let's end it this way. So with your sister being... You wanted to
1: fight about 1 Corinthians 15.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, of course, that's the gospel. But what's interesting is Paul does sum it up other ways, other times. Like in Galatians, he says, God preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, mm-hmm. saying, in you all nations shall be, shall be blessed. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different ways. So technically, yes, again, if you ask me what's the gospel, yeah, I'm going to say Christ died... You know for Santa's sure you have the
1: gospel life. in Genesis uh, 315 you know that the the seed of the woman will bruise the or right. will, will crush the head of the serpent that's the Proto-Evangelion, the first preaching of the gospel but you have progressive revelation and we understand that? that yeah but
0: even that's the New Testament Galatians when Paul yeah. says yeah, yeah. Uh, he preached he did the preach gospel. the
1: gospel he did preach the gospel but it, it was you know again Romans
0: he's citing citing Genesis. Genesis yeah
1: he's going with what anyway that's for New let's New put it
0: this way with your, we well, have a few minutes left here. Your sister mm-hmm. being at our church for mm-hmm. years and sitting under our consistent teaching, what gives you most pause about that? <laughs> I should have asked this first. Yeah, you should have. We could have probably
1: gotten into <laughs> fisticuffs over that. You know, I don't. What, think, how do you I pray think, against us? How do I pray against you, Donovan? <laughs> 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 yeah, you know, I don't honestly have a lot of concern. Um, we've had a few conversations um, over theological um, issues that she has brought up to me, you know, just because she's learning something different from what she would have learned at Cedar Valley or what I she knows that I would hold to. With uh, regards so, to, uh, you know, with regards to five point limited atonement, okay. I think we had a discussion sure. about that. We had a discussion, I think, if I remember correctly, it's been a little while. Which I've literally
0: taught on that once in ten years.
1: Yeah, I think that we had a discussion once about whether or not um, there's a distinction between Israel and the Church or something along those lines. Yeah, dispensation versus covenant theology, that kind of thing. Um, you know, she, the Lord, the Holy Spirit indwells her just as He indwells me, just as He indwells you. And I know Redeemer to be a Bible teaching church. Uh, and we agree, as you said at the onset, we agree on all of the majors.
0: And apparently, a lot of the uh, well, the minors. Well, on some of the <laughs> some of
1: the ancillary stuff
0: as well. Well, you said you started off by saying you weren't a Baptist. I'd like to hear more about that too.
1: <laughs> yeah, Not a, although I do a lot of Baptisty things. Um, yeah, I, so I don't have any problem with it. You know, I, do I wish she was uh, her family was worshiping with my family and we were all together? We're sure, of course I do. I mean, yeah. I, 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 why wouldn't I? Um, but I'm, I'm just thankful that she's in a Bible teaching church that cares for her yeah, and cares for, you know, her family, uh, and so forth. And so, you know, the rest of it, I just simply leave to God. Yeah. You know, when we all get to heaven, we'll all find out that I was right and you were wrong and
0: certainly, but we'll all still yeah. be
1: there. You know, I'll just have more responsibilities.
0: That's, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I'll just chill.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you can finally learn how to
0: hunt. There would be no hunting. Oh, man, there better be. Hunting in heaven. Well, that's another thing. If you believe in that whole kind of thing, the literal heavens and new earth. Man, I'm hoping to
1: finally get that trophy buck.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because it's sure eluded me here on earth. So there's going to be death in heaven. Maybe it'll just live. Yeah. It'll just be rejoicing. You'll be like
1: cutting open this buck. And... Well, at the very least, we can hunt in the millennial kingdom, you know, because they'll be
0: reconstituting the sacrificial system. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of animals there. <laughs> so... Well, good stuff. Yeah, um, obviously didn't go where I thought it would go, uh, but good. Well, there's a little more uh, um, teaching and maybe some nuanced distinctions on uh, sovereignty, Calvinism, and that whole kind of thing. So now you know also know a little more about Cedar Valley Church and what's going on over there, and you can uh, uh, rest easy if you have friends and family <laughs> uh, or enemies oh look at that speaking of deer there's two deer right outside our window oh, look at see, that could you bring your bow or your gun or something I sure could I got a yeah. nine in my backpack we yeah. just roll up on that thing and just
1: oh she looks delicious
0: yeah <laughs> let's get her so awesome man thanks for the time and thanks. maybe we'll do it again sometime thanks for
1: inviting me I really had a good time see so, ya yeah. alright commands
0: reach your-